Yeah. I mean, all that's left to say is... Extraordinary segue. Some things don't matter. Some things don't matter. Donda 2. Why you so scared that somebody find out? I am a flex. Imagine your ex face when he find out. I am the best. You hit the top. Wait till they find out. He not a threat. Send him a text. Put him on timeout. Keep the flowers in a hundred thousand. That was Flowers by Kanye, Kanye West. West. Yeah. Donda, Donda 2. Donda 2. So Kanye, New Donda. Donda came out last year. Yeah. Um, after quite a long fanfare, yeah. it was promised a year earlier. And then even it ended up yeah, going through various listening parties and eventually was uploaded to Spotify. And then a deluxe version with a different order and extra tracks was uploaded. Donda 2 was came about relatively quickly. Um yeah. It was announced uh, at the beginning of the year and then it arrived a few days after its scheduled release date where a listing po- a live listening party was held. Um, it's uploaded exclusively to the Stem Player, which is this uh, proprietary device costing $200. Kind of musical fidget spinner or something. Exactly. And you can, you can, it, it, you, it uploads the actual four different stems of, the, I mean, all tracks have like way more than four stems, but the various music groups have been aligned so that it's in four yeah, yeah. parts Synths, that you can vocals, exactly, drums, that you can yeah. split up and play, listen to different bits. Which is an extraordinary way of distributing things, but also like I think quite canny from late Kanye, yeah. which I guess a figure we'll talk about. Because in some ways the the weirdest part of late Kanye and the part that has been since Life of Pablo mm-hmm. coming apart most conspicuously yeah, is yeah. the mixing. Yeah. And the the weird combinations he comes up with and the feeling that there is a there's an underlying discontinuity in the auditory field, mm-hmm. right? That let you turn this back up, right? Like there's a sense in which this kind of so much going on, this kind of extremely strange bells sound, which has like an Ableton plugin, yeah, yeah, for like a techno track or something. It literally like this whole album sounds yeah. like it was made on a children's toy, yeah, but like yeah, in yeah. the best way, yeah. Like he's really reduced it down. It's like he, he's like it's almost like he's made a symphony and then just like. Like crushed it down into like digits. Uh, yeah, precisely. Like th- th- there's a sense in which the uh, just like an audio experience that there is a is deeply discontinuous, yeah, yeah. fragmented, and so on. And all the tracks I found were more luscious and in some ways like intimate because mm. they were simple objects that Kanye had found that had been put into this like mm. state where they were almost perfect, but then just had this kind of really irresistible imperfection to them continuously there all the time underneath I mean it does feel a bit like PC then, music this album yeah like, kind of, kind of. <laughs> and, 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 and then basically uh, was conceptually what it's doing none of the songs ever are never ever really this is extraordinary piece of mixing yeah. as well I put the security at risk like who else is okay, making tracks like this <laughs> this is amazing right I mean, it's quite. This is the most users track. It's yes, like, it's yes. harshness and it's kind of like space spaciousness. This is what I was thinking. Like in some ways, Donda, the first one, always still had these little fragments of aggressive, mm. um, kind of users era production signals, like really distorted uh, vocal tracks that were kind of like half a second and would kind of be like like samples that would add kind of little affect colors to an otherwise kind of normal. Um, 
pot production process. But in Donda 2, it's like that. those are all the aspects. There's an kind of intimacy to it. There's a closeness to it. Then there's a weirdness to it as well that, that comes from letting the audience simply go experience very directly the object that you're presenting them to rather than trying to fit the whole thing within a song structure like you did that throughout Donda. Right, the first five, six tracks of Donda are all basically normal songs, apart from the Donda chant. This is this is like what the fuck are you did. <laughs> yeah, just like this is just an idea you had. It's not a song, and that's what's so brilliant, I think, about it. So you wouldn't be happy if he added some verses to no, the sort no. of scat lyric bits. No, no, no. I, th- I think I think the unfinishedness is part of the beauty of like late. Like, okay, this is something I've been quite ambivalent about in a way because. It does genuinely like in whereas in the a few years ago he would release these well he wouldn't release someone else would release these leaks yeah. of his work, most notably the album The Andy, um which never got rip which never got re- released and some of the b- beats ended up on this on his weakest ever album Jesus is King. I'm just waiting. Yeah, for, no, no, I'm no, just no, waiting no. for you to challenge that assertion. No, no, no. That's a fair summary. Um and um and yeah and 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 that was like. A very weird process because you'd listen to these tracks where he'd literally be like mumbling he'd be like you know and you know and it gave you a window into his production process in that he is like one of the most musical rappers and like i guess that yeah. sort of figures in his 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 um just when you watch this documentary on netflix genius you see him the way he raps the way he the way he enunciates the way he structures the raps is much more musical and he even sort of sings while he's rapping which um, a lot of people do that now, but yeah, he he really kind of pioneered a, 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 a certain like just a oh god, a, like a god, it's so good, Kanye. Kanye, like, even like I, I'm College Dropout is not like an album I listen to very often, but like revisiting it recently, I've mm-hmm. the documentary, just seeing like comparing it to rap, other rap that came out at that time, you know, like Fifty Cent and like the game, and you know, like he just he really structures music so well. And like thinks about the high and the low and the and the economy of everything, and that has been a thread throughout all of his work, even like an album like Jesus King, which isn't very good. Like the production still has this this attention. Um, but yeah, I uh, I mean I yeah I love this album a lot. I I am I sort of I love his lyrics, so in a way I kind of do want some of these songs to have a bit more. You know when he does do that, you know like the reference like the Tyler Durden line and like. There's, and then some of these like one-off lines like the Morgan Freeman line I don't know if I even want to say it. it's so good go for it, go for it. You can <laughs> when, do I, it when I when uh, maybe I'll just play it oh no it actually <laughs> takes ages to get to that that's bit. fine we can just play the whole song um, but on sci-fi he, yeah he says um, when I laid down and gave you the semen I heard the voice of God Morgan Freeman it's just like it's that beautiful Kanye crudity that's just like it's like it's audacious it's visceral it's like it's just celebratory. It's it's jubilant. It's, it's devotional. I love it. Devotional is the right word. Like I think there's something about this period of Donda, like Donda Two rather than Donda, that allows for a certain like religious quality that's always been present in Kanye to actually yeah. come more to the fore because it is less explicitly organised around Jesus and God, mm-hmm. right? Because there's this sense of awe-inspiring beauty and. I don't know, like, it's very difficult to not to get into kind of a almost like superlative but 
also quite platitudinous kind of way of thinking yeah. about stuff because it's very difficult to talk about. I, I was I was kind of wondering on the train over here, like what is the like what's behind some people's, including my own, uh, desire to assert that Kanye West is like a um, an artist of like great historical import, yeah, and to yeah. be and try and defend him against the. Uh, absolutely fucking cowardice of, uh, <laughs> of the Guardian of the Guardian and like other, most other criticism like oh it's, not, it's unfinished like, shut the fuck up yeah, yeah you should be unfinished <laughs> it does make me very angry I mean not to kind of um, pick at the scab too much but um, the Guardian in in um, I'm going to get the going to get the reviews together because it, it really just um, astonishes me on so many levels um in my, 2010, people yeah. often forget that My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Which is a 6 out of 10 album. Um, six, 6 out of 5 album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 uh, out of 10. <laughs> it goes up to 11. It's it's a masterpiece. Um, yeah. Every track is, is a banger and it has a huge and extraordinary coherence. It kind of like, I feel like rescued the idea of the album. Yes, at a time, for sure. At, time, at a time when that was like in decline. Yep. Um, two stars the guardian gave it alex mcpherson said a fascinating public persona is not synonymous with fascinating musical output and while west's attention-seeking behavior may be grotesquely compelling the man child himself is not he fancies himself a tortured artist but his mix of ego and self-loathing could not be more of a cliche he thinks he's an esthete but his taste porn stars lux sibling of high white society is mundane I mean, this is kind of, I think, quite racist the way that like yeah, it's, these it's, critics talk about him as well. Like, yeah, even though it, yeah. also like if you watch like any of if you listen to any of Kanye's albums, like he continually like acknowledges the contradictions. Of, yes, like, he's about of, the like, contradiction. Wanting like, that's what his work's about. Of, like wanting luxury and also like like the kind of the moral yeah, like all that stuff is uh, absorbed into his work. It also, like this is this is the premise of New Slaves. Yeah, yeah. This album also like and Diamonds Are Forever and so many other stuff. And yeah, so that track. So yeah, that Diamonds Forever makes it more explicit in a way that's kind of a bit Coney Twenty Twenty. Yeah, it's, it is a little bit. Um, but even though it's just the beat is yep. so sick, <laughs> <laughs> it overrides the discourse by yeah, just yeah, having yeah. a sick beat. Um, Which is more than you can say from anyone of the Guardian. It's very true. Very true. I don't hear any beats from Alex McPherson and Alexis Petri Dish, but. Um, uh, yeah, his way with words is now at exactly the level one would expect from that crushingly obvious title. West flags up his own self-satisfied labor jokes and an increasingly nasal flow. Don't know why they're having a go at him for being nasal. Um, he whinges, we cringe. Fast forward to 2022, 12 years later, a two-star review from Alexis Petrodish for Donda 2. Desultory soundtrack for a social media circus. Flashes of genius from the artist formerly known as Kanye West are lost amid unrefined production. Who? It's not unrefined. It's so refined. It's like it's literally <laughs> the definition of refined. Yeah. Um, the presence on stage of... This is going to be my little discourse rant. Um, so uh, apologies in advance. Um, the presence on stage of alleged rapist Marilyn Manson, homophobic rapper DeBaby, and an awful lot about the lyrical barbs aimed at West and Pete Davidson. But the one thing you didn't hear that much was the... The one thing you didn't hear much about was the music. Yes, because you fucking, fucking wonder why. You. It was you. <laughs> uh, you could say that's a damning indictment of the media's quest for headline-grabbing yes, sensation. Isn't it? Yes, isn't it, it fucking is. Yes. Uh, rather than the thing that, that, that made the artist now known as Yay famous in the first place. Then again, listening uh, listening to Donda 2, which features Soldier Boy, Don Tolliver, and the late XX Tentacion, who have all been accused of domestic... Oh, fuck's sake. Really just so upsetting. Um... And again, yeah, like a total, a constant, constant attack on, on, on Kanye for whinging. Apparently, apparently, apparently any kind of negative affect expressed, uh, any kind of sadness or, or, or pain or desperation expressed through the medium of, of art, through music, 
is called whinging when it's from Kanye West by these white liberal critics. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty astonishing how wrong The Guardian has been on this. And yeah. I think it points to where The Guardian might be wrong on other global issues anyway. Um, the, That's uh, a bit of a non sequitur. <laughs> drop it in why not um, <laughs> I do want to talk aesthetically aesthetically yes. about the two songs okay Get Lost and Too Easy okay go for it mm, what you say hold on I'm going to start that again edit, Sorry, it, edit, I ruined edit it. this bit no I more because you because it was, wasn't loud enough I still get lost in that lost in my training memories back from fun I mean, listeners should obviously seek out the full version of this. It is, it is, it is maybe my favorite Kanye West song, this, or one of my favorites. It is the most Kanye West song. It is a total, it is like listening to Schubert's Lido. It's like, it, 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 it feels like a, like a pure, refined expression of emotion through like the simplest means possible and yet it's obviously come from a huge gathering of of like like the whole career of Kanye West is like fed like funnel like into this song and this song is like a very thin slice of like beautiful emotion um you know are you am I still on your mind okay well never mind you know and some of the lyrics, you can't even hear what he's saying. They're sort of incoherent. They kind of drift in and out of like meaning. It's one of the kind of the ways in which he's been doing phrases mm-hmm. for a while. Like the opening track of Ye, which yes. is the weakest album, which I agree, um, has, I thought about Wait, no, killing you. I said you. Jesus is King is his weakest album. Oh, did you? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. That is his weakest album. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's stronger. Yeah, it's a bit better. Yeah. Um, but they're I both thought, weak. I thought about killing you today. And then he goes into a bunch of other lines and it comes back and then it comes back yeah. and cycles around. And like this is the same way he's doing here. And in the security track. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing. I think you're security at risk. Yeah. He yeah. does it. Yeah. There's a, there's a sense in which he's kind of turning over an idea and turning it over an idea yeah, and turning yeah. over and turning over and turning over. And like what's beautiful about it, I think, here is that even though it doesn't appear to be going anywhere, the whole very simple object is revealing new aspects to itself. Yeah. Just as we kind of rotate it, as we like find new permutations yeah. in the kind of the, the the fuzziness of it, in the kind of the the, the unexpected clarities of it as yeah. they kind of emerge throughout the song. And simultaneously, what's happening in the the vocoder, which he's mm-hmm. using to kind of modulate the voices, as you heard just there, mm-hmm. right? Everything's becoming more strained, more yeah. kind of excited throughout, and it's like the whole voice itself is pulling apart yeah. at the same time as the clarity is emerging from what he's trying to say, trying to say, trying to say, trying to say. Trying to say over the course of these permutations it's astonishing I like literally just like listening and then here that's sequencing man <laughs> like straight in the I'm just gonna rewind to that like that transition I still can still cross your mind if not then never mind do I still cross your mind if not then never mind he ends on that he ends on if not then never mind twice yep. about his ex whether or not she still thinks about him and then straight into this banger too easy with like an extraordinary bass line
I mean, he's he, he's always been a, like a genius sequencer. Yeah, yeah. Like the life of Pablo, like the first five tracks or so, is just glorious. It's what like was, sequences within sequences. It's just yeah. astonishing. Like what was weird about Donda is the that he kept on changing the sequence, and it's like, yeah, yeah. What, what are you doing? This is, this is, you <laughs> that are was like, very strange. Yeah, yeah very yeah. weird. Um, but he did have some good sequencing in the the first official released version. Yeah, I felt. But yeah. opinions differ on this. But yeah. There's, there's like there is a particularly like extraordinary feeling going between two different Kanye songs on an album. I feel like yeah, and that goes back to the culture of like his ability to like put one song next to another and like that feeling you have when you listen to an album of like oh we're going into this space now. Yeah, it's because he's because he's an artist built around trying to express uh, all of the contradictions of like being black in America. Mm-hmm. Right, and all the contradictions that go into rap, and all the contradictions that go into mm. like trying to be an artist, yeah. and all these, and, and his whole career is, and whole musical intensity is constructed around exactly these, these tensions mm. in the objective that he's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Therefore, every shift in the album feels like it's deeply sensitive to something that was left out of the previous track. Yeah, right. There's a certain sense of of, of endlessly finding a new space of vibrancy. Mm. So that this permutation thing I was talking about earlier, where he's like rotating the words around, finding new combinations, that's also happening across the albums. Right? He's also mm-hmm. finding new ways of saying the same thing he was trying to yeah, say in yeah, New yeah. Slaves, trying to find new ways of finding the same thing he was saying in, you know, um, even Jesus is King, right? Yeah, all yeah. these kind of religious dimensions, yeah. all these kind of uh, like sex dimensions. He's like yeah, yeah. Uh, all these kind of like, you know, um, extraordinary degrees of like jealousy and fame and yeah, yeah, wanting yeah. to be and an artist and, as well. and mourning, yeah, mourning for his mom, mourning for relationships, yeah, extraordinary. And he's just saying, I need you to love me again and again. And it just keeps getting more powerful. But then these these vocoder variations where it, it it's, it's like Meisner technique or something. It's like, it's like these TikToks of Harry mm. Styles. <laughs> like it's literally like each inflection of the voice, each intonation gives it some new valence. Thus in the very late Beethoven. <laughs> the, <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Do the it. conventions find expression as the naked representations of themselves. This is the function of the otherwise often remarked upon abbreviation of his style. It seeks not so much to free the musical language from mere phrases, as rather to free the mere phrases from the appearance of its subjective mastery. That is that the... this is So this is from an essay by Adorno. About uh, late Beethoven. About late Beethoven, right? So the argument that Adorno makes, I'm going to very badly paraphrase, mm-hmm. basically like early Beethoven is kind of assembling himself. Middle Beethoven is, is like a great artist surveying objective musical history mm-hmm. and trying to absorb everything in musical history under his own subjective power. Mm-hmm. It's like asserting himself through it. This is the life of Pablo. <laughs> this is uh, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. This is maybe even like the... Um, oh, fuck, what's it called? Kitsy Ghosts. Yeah, Kitsy Ghosts to some extent. I think Kitsy Ghosts is more to the end of this this period. Yeah. Um, but no, the um, the good music compilation. Oh, of course. Of course, Summer. Yeah, of course, Summer. So... All of those, all of those things are in this kind of like period in which Beethoven, Kanye is um, like <laughs> surveying the world and like putting everything to his whim. Yeah, yeah. the sense in which the kind of the, the mixing is 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 happening. Um, uh, Kanye is kind of exerting his mastery over the thing, yeah. and then he encounters death. Yeah, in Beethoven's later years, how old Kanye is now? Right, he kind of encounters his yeah, own yeah. subjective limits, and his own subjective limits 
in Kanye's case, they're not his death, but the death of his mother. Mm-hmm. Even though that happened a very long time ago, yeah. he's really only responding to it yeah. in this album. Even though he's going to be threatening to respond album. to it, being like, you know, kind yeah. of coming towards responding to it for the whole of the time. Yeah. And then that is suddenly revealed as a subjective limit. Mm. I am all powerful, but I can't bring my mother back. Yeah. Right? I can't make people love me. <laughs> yeah. I can't make people. Um, I can't also I can't bring my wife back. Yeah. Yeah. The mother of my kids. Yeah. I'm always losing something, even yeah. though I'm this kind of. And so there's this sense in which it's not that this leads to a kind of objectivity in the work, mm. but it, that it leads to an acknowledgement that he is not all powerful. Yeah, there's Hence, a dramatic irony there. Yeah. But it's like I am a god. He does that in uses yes. I am a god, where he's literally like, I am a god. And then like the whole like the last 30 seconds of the song is him screaming. Yeah. It's so beautiful. He always creates it, even though he is like allegedly this kind of like manic narcissist or whatever, he always manages to create a dramatic irony that like un- undermines yeah. the grandiosity. It is that I just find that extraordinary. Well, I think he's a genius. I think that's that that qualifies him. That's a wrap, I guess. <laughs> um, shout out to his family. <laughs> Donna Two will be the last album if if it goes nuclear. Oh, stop doing this shit, man. It's not it's not going to go nuclear. No one wants it to go nuclear. Putin doesn't want it to go nuclear. NATO doesn't want it to go nuclear. This 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 will not, you know. My, this my, is a Ukraine thing. My prediction rate for what will happen in Ukraine is very low. <laughs> um, as a, as a, in case people don't listen to every single episode of this podcast, <laughs> last, um, time. last time uh, I was terribly wrong. We we, we should have a, a sting. We'll insert it into the pod. Yeah. Recording of um, actually, I'll just I'll just play it now. <laughs> <laughs> just as a way for, for, for clarity, listeners, we've recorded this bit once already, and Ralph was like, "Oh God, I'm going to get cancelled." So we're doing it again, and Ralph is like very keen to kind of humiliate me this time round. So let's just go for it. All right. They're not going to. Russia's not going to invade Kiev. All right. I've been. Mean, it's not going to happen. So the. Um... <laughs> okay. So what I mean there, guys? What I mean? <laughs> what did you mean by that? Because okay, so what I mean was there was extraordinary valiant defense by the Ukrainian army of Kiev, yeah. and therefore Russia, despite their intentions, which I knew mm-hmm. was to invade Kiev, mm-hmm. the Ukrainians are obviously going to be able to defend it. Oh right, but but they did invade Kiev. Yeah, but they didn't didn't capture it, which is what I meant. I misspoke. I meant capture. Looking <laughs> 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 forward to coming back next week and uh, clarifying yeah, yeah. what I meant this time. So my my only theory about this really is that boys love war. Okay. And uh, and there is a sort of bit of a gulf, emotional gulf. There are various drives happening here, basically, and and because because I think I think the reason I wanted to read you this section is because it's so pointless for us to talk about the war itself. Sure. Because we keep getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you specifically. You get it wrong and I listen to you getting it wrong. Um and uh and, and I think what we can talk about is how how the how the responses to the war unfolds and how what that tells us about about culture, yeah. culture we live in. Um I think that there's a sort of a huge amount of like concern for Ukraine that I think personally I think is kind of leveraged on a um uh on, on, a, on a belief in a, in a liberal Europe and protecting protecting things that that feel fragile, yeah. Especially after the schism of Trump and Brexit uh, and the neoliberal timeline being interrupted, 
and these kind of gestures towards protectionism from the right uh, and yeah and populism kind of having this moment so populism we're scared of and also we're very scared of russia and russia was also kind of blamed even corbyn was like associated with russia yeah people in the liberal media suggested that you know that 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 uh, putin was rooting for a, a corbyn victory which he wasn't um, also bl- so in this case like blaming russia more or less coincides with everyone's interests yeah helps russia as well yes because it allows people to say oh you know the world's against us yeah. We need to strengthen our, strengthen our military and so on. So the, it, it, it matters for a, for a green narrative because um, we get so much uh, gas, or at least Europe yeah, gets yeah. so much gas from Russia. It matters from a military security, kind of national security kind of narrative because of this, right? Mm-hmm. Like we should just bolster our defense. Even Germany, which is like historically had a very low defense spending mm-hmm. budget, has just set, committed to spending 2% of its budget, which will make it the third largest military spender in the world mm-hmm. from next year. So it's like a, a big, big, big military power. Yeah. It matters for the left because it can point to US imperialism mm-hmm. and Russian imperialism and say that it's against both. Yes. Right? So it appears like a sophisticated position. Mm-hmm. I'm against, I'm, I'm, I'm for some of these positions. I'm not for the national security one, but like I'm, I'm for the other ones. I'm not the dismissing anti- them as You're narratives. anti-imperialist, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not dismissing them as narratives. I'm just saying like mm-hmm. the, the, um, the moral starkness of the choice between Ukraine and Russia is convenient yeah. for almost everyone in the, in, the, in the political discourse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why the discourse around this, it, this has been so... Um, empirically fragmented mm-hmm. but morally clear yes and there have been well there have been moments where people have tried to point things out to do with yeah. nato and so on like saying that um saying that that there that saying that there might be some uh, rationale on the side of putin for not wanting a a, a, a a large population nation with a land border to be part of nato it's you know an opposition alliance um you know they're, 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 they're people pointing out that that is the case and also pointing out that nato have no actual interest even though they haven't closed the door and it actually have no interest in ukraine being part of nato point commentators who've pointed that out belong to a block of people who are sort of um accused of being pro-putin it's a, it's this binary logic enforced constantly oh you must be pro-putin um rather than like I feel like, well, for me, I would just want to say, like, price it in that, that like, Putin is, um, and as far as evil exists, whatever, like, he, he, he has, you know, he doesn't care about human life, you know, he, he's interested in power and maintaining power. So those are his interests. We have to, like, acknowledge that and we have to acknowledge that, like, he's not, you know, he may not have, like, limits in that, in that way. Um, but he has interests and we should try and understand his interests if we want to understand the war and what he'll do next um but yeah the, the moral how it's how it's how it's played out on social media has very much been this david and goliath story about like all the amazing ways in which the ukrainian people have resisted um yeah what what are your thoughts on 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 ukrainian guerrilla warfare and the i think it's quite the likely to win i mean not win but like seriously hamper the russian involvement mm-hmm. it seems like the people are very committed to fight and it seems like the the meme of them being very committed to fight is itself like an aspect of their commi- their capacity to be able to fight. Right, there's kind of mm-hmm. a self fulfilling prophecy. If everyone around you yeah, yeah. is being told that everyone around you mm-hmm. is really keen to fight, then you're gonna like yeah, you're gonna yeah. do it. I would be very surprised if uh, if the Russians were able to like take Kiev in any kind of easy way. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense to, for them to, to try and. Resist and that's that. partly why they're resorting to innuendos of nuclear war. 
Yeah. In terms of uh, yep. establishing their position in negotiation talks. Because is that it? is something that they have that Ukraine definitely don't have. Yeah, and uh, are not going to be able to come by. I mean, the, the, right, the nuclear the war thing was mostly about... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the, 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 the nuclear war thing was mostly a response to supposed Western involvement. Yeah. Right, it was a ratcheting. It was like, if you if the West, if NATO supports Ukraine, yeah. then we will like uh, raise the, the nuclear yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. option. Um these are all yeah it's, it's all very kind of terrifying. It's very fucking aggressive and psycho like and don't, yeah. don't don't think listeners that we aren't you know aware of that. <laughs> which is which is why I was wrong about it last time. <laughs> but it's also under it's it's also an under, it's also and it also makes sense given the context of what Russia has at their disposal how Ukraine are faring currently in the conflict etc cetera, etc. Cetera. A, a lot of the concern for the Ukrainian people in the opening moments of the war um was leveraged to imply that um that like the west should intervene yep. or that there should be certain kinds of sanctions like a, a, a no fly zone sanctions which would be incredibly difficult to maintain and would be tantamount to the west basically you know sending troops in uh into ukraine proper not just you know nato nations on the border um and and yeah like that's that is a continuum of, of of like Western imperialism is you begin with a kind of moral concern for these people who like need liberal democracy very desperately because that because there's you know we're the good guys uh, and then you end with like total chaos and and uh, and yeah ultimately like yeah we like Western intervention creates creates a very different dynamic you know uh, where am I going with this oh just the affect of it yeah the affect of 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 oh god look at this terrible situation the fact that that then connects to saying we must do something which then connects to saying you know we must intervene or whatever uh it's it's much easier to make that argument emotionally um and therefore on the other end of the spectrum yeah there are like boys who like talking about military strategy yeah i mean is what we are and um mps who (laughs) like imagining themselves as if they were fighting against some sort of russian aggression i mean was has there been a thick piece yet that was like what if it was actually corbyn invading uh (laughs) you know like uh, the the home counties would i take up arms of course i would (laughs) in defense of my my orchards yeah it's very i mean there's a yeah there's a lot of projection going on from the remainer set about yeah a particular idea of civilization yes um and and that i find to be very bad faith yeah and 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 some astonishingly racist takes that like you know this is not <laughs> this is it. this is not like you know your average war where it's just like brown <laughs> just <people laughs> being killed. And these people are white um yeah, yeah insane. a lot of uh, yeah a lot of people saying it's uh, it is unprecedented um in in a way that suggests that they haven't remembered that they were haven't, haven't remembered or do not value the lives of people who <laughs> yes. in, in very recent uh imperial struggles so yeah, so we're talking about. I mean, I think the thing that unites Ukraine and Donda too is that there's a kind of like, <laughs> it's the, there's it's a the sense <laughs> of yearning, there's a sense of frustration, there's a sense of like, um, but a sense of of of, of purpose emerging out of out of uh, struggle. I they're both pieces of they're both pieces of content at the end of uh, a giant cycle of imperial accumulation. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing I wanted to say as well, actually, is that like. Um, I really noticed actually, as a news event, war is is like, and I'm gonna, I might, might, I might be making a crude chauvinist point here, but like, for for men, war is so exciting. 
<laughs> it's just like wow like there's something there's like something there's strategy there's something we can try and get our heads around there's a puzzle to figure out there's like various backs and forths there's like various um connecting events there's like a power dynamic that has to be constantly recalculated yeah um and then for women it's like just incredibly stressful and they feel powerless and like they're worried about the men they're, they're like worried about their men going off to this war. is they're a stupid worried. take this is you're completely <laughs> wrong about this uh, one of the most like foolish and, but, well, the things point, I've heard for a very the, long time. The point I'm going to make that's more interesting than this is that I think climate change oh my God. M- <laughs> makes men feel like how women feel during war. Okay, and <laughs> vice versa? No. Well, no. No, everyone feels shit about climate change. That's why like, it's hugely refreshing right. to have war. That's also why a lot of the responses to climate change are like a bit war-shaped. You know, like the sort of like extinction event sort of stuff. Yeah. Or like the Green New Deal as a sort of like. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like a New Deal kind of like yeah. big state action yeah. fantasy, right? There needs to be some kind. Of, so it's like war. War isn't just a, th- a way we settle disputes. It's also like like a solution looking for a problem. Yeah. What I mean, I, what I think about the coverage of the Ukrainian war so far is that it's been overwhelmingly and uh, moral in character. There'd be not very many reports about exactly what's going on on the ground, although when there are, people have been very, very at pains to say that this is um, unverified and you know we're not really sure what's going on at all. Actually, the and most yet, discoursified war. And yet, been. Ralph, shut up. <laughs> and yet, you can't just hide the, the illusion of critique under a uh, the word discourse. <laughs> you completely misunderstood. Certain tensions within the podcast are starting to show on this episode. I fear. No, <laughs> I'm not a fearful at all. No. Go ahead, um, go ahead. It's like people are at great pains to say, okay, this is actually not confirmed. We don't know this is real and so on. Of course, this is from, there's loads of footage as well from 2014. So there's a reason for this um, to be uh, you know, skeptical about this stuff. But also, but regardless, despite the lack in some ways of any concrete details about what is happening, mm-hmm. there is an immense assertion again and 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 again of the rightness, the bravery, the beautiful, the innocence, the yeah. glory. Mm-hmm of the Ukrainian side and the, and the evil and audacious disastrousness of the Russian side. So in some ways, I would say that the war so far, I'm not saying this is wrong, I'm just commenting that this is, there hasn't really been like a feeling of war to it. There's mm-hmm. been a feeling of abstract conflict in which good is assaulted by evil. Isn't which this is how all wars are narrated by different sides that's, who have an interest? Yeah, that's not my impression of, for example, how the Arab Spring was narrated. Like it was very, so all the, all the wars that came out of it, for example, mm-hmm. the Syrian civil war, which is very complicated. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not the way in like the Israeli-Palestine conflict is narrated. No, it's not really the way in which like well, um, all these cases function slightly differently. But go on. Sure, but that's but that's my point is that this mm. is this. It's sort of surprising to me is the astonishing moral clarity in the because I think be, I think because we're on the other side of, tr- of 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 this break from the neoliberal timeline. Yeah, we're back on the uh, and the no Facebook neoliberalism timeline. Yeah, I think the the way the way of approaching I think the liberals are basically like like they they things slipped for them a bit and they are yeah. like desperate to reclaim an idea of civilization that they can defend yes and also it'd be great if russia was the enemy because that was who they were pretending had won the 2016 election with trump yeah, as well exactly so exactly could, exactly this is okay this is what we were thinking last time right because obviously we're beginning this episode very bullish yeah. we were completely wrong last time yeah well i i mean you were wrong and i listened <laughs> <laughs> so you were complicit care. therefore you know <laughs> i only re- i only started researching ukraine all that it takes like, for bad it, takes to predominate is for good takes to do nothing you know that's <laughs> <laughs> um so i i i 
I just sort of ignored Ukraine and like followed the advice of um you know like sort of dirtbag leftists yeah yeah like, which is sort of nothing like, was going to happen yeah like that exactly um and uh and then and then when the when the Luhansk and Donetsk regions were declared were recognized by Putin Donetsk too uh, Donetsk too was uploaded to the stem player yeah. um i was uh, i started like reading articles properly about yeah. it and like watching, like like watching military. Well, that was twenty four hours before they invaded, so you didn't yeah. have much of a lead in time there. No, not at all. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, and 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 whatever you know, like I I a lot you know. Um. It's 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 it, people should be uninformed. It's fine. It's fine. It's I'm, like, I'm assuming it from the other side, from the Russian side, that the the same moral character predominates, right? Because Putin has been framing it as anti-Nazi war. Mm. There are Ukrainian Nazis. The desertification, which there are. Let's not, lest we forget <laughs> that actually it's complicated. Exactly. What? So, okay, this is interesting from the perspective of pop culture and pop criticism yeah. and pop politics. Which is what so this on. podcast is about. It's not actually yeah. just a vehicle for us to deliver like wrong takes. Oh, the, well, wrong and wrong and wrong and callous <laughs> takes. The, the your, your takes are the wrong takes. My takes are the callous takes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, we got the system going. <laughs> and the then the, in the last ten yeah, minutes, yeah. we'll just talk about how great the new Kanye album is. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is interesting from a pop politics perspective, from like a commentary perspective, is that it has always been the rule on Twitter that the ability to, the, the take that deals with these structural problems in other takes has predominated in the long run, right? You can point out that someone's take is bad for some sort of obscure reason that probably doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but it's very peripheral, yeah. but it doesn't take into account the whole of the situation in 140 characters, therefore it's fundamentally wrong, oppressive, evil, and so on. Yeah. That has not happened in this case. Like, there's the kind of the anti-imperialist take that's like, oh no, but the NATO aggression, blah, 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 blah. That is completely collapsed. I think it's been like basically debunked, or like shown to be ineffectual in the Twitter sphere, regardless of its merits, regardless of the merits Because of all components. those people said it will never happen, and then it did. But yeah, maybe because of that, but I also think it's like, there just is an appetite for a very morally simple thing to happen. Right? And what is that thing? Ukraine to win. Yeah. Well, not Ukraine to win, but like Ukraine to be supported. Ukraine to die gloriously. Yeah. Ukraine to be defeated oh, slowly, but so nevertheless. So depressing. Like, you know, be in the right. I mean, Ukraine... The, the, the left sees Ukraine sees Ukraine in itself. It's like, they're going to lose, but they're fundamentally on the right side, and so Li- are we. Literally, they are relitigating Brexit. The liberals, the liberals, the liberals in the UK and the West, and I'm afraid all the all the Eastern Europeans who've made who've made their home here, are relitigating their own idea of what Europe should be and 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 their own idea that we should protect Europe. Now, I I'm I don't I don't really have an opinion either way on Europe. I I am literally just trying to view the situation objectively in terms of how the least bloodshed could be cringe could be achieved. Very cringe. Why is this cringe? Cringe to be like, I am viewing it objectively to work out how the least bloodshed. Are you the UM? No, Ralph, you're not even a successful podcaster. <laughs> What's wrong with what I just said? It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a way of... So it's kind of the move I was just describing. Right? It's a way of stepping back from a discussion and saying, oh no, actually the discussion itself is, is wrong and there's a better way of doing the discussion. And this is what I'm kind of... At, pointing out hasn't really happened in the case of like the commentary on ukraine there hasn't been a kind of a meta discourse about the commentary on ukraine that has emerged yeah and i'm suggesting like, there could be one okay go for it well i mean 
Um, well, you're you're very welcome to point out what cultural biases I might have. I don't like Putin at all. My position is that like that Ukraine can't win a war against Russia, and the and the West won't will never back Ukraine enough for Ukraine to win, and they will also. No, they will, they also have no interest in Ukraine joining NATO, even though this sad president president guy Zelensky keeps begging for it. And now, <laughs> and now they're ra- now Russia are raising the stakes, saying like we are on nuclear high alert or whatever. Yes, this might be the last pop brain. Sorry, this might be the last pop brain. Oh, oh yeah, if we do nuclear war, yeah. Um, you shouldn't be listening to this if this is the last day on Earth. <laughs> you've made a really bad decision. <laughs> Priorities. Um, I don't have like a libidinal or cultural or personal investment in like Europe as an idea. I don't really understand the history of Ukraine well enough to know whether it should be in Europe or Russia, but I know that it trying to align itself with Europe and be part of NATO is obviously pissing the hell off, is pissing the hell out of Putin. What's the phrase? Annoying, irritating Putin. Pissing, pissing off Putin. Yeah, pissing off Putin. <laughs> it's pissing on Putin. It's, 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 he doesn't like it. And it, it, he would obviously like a kind of horrible Belarus-style like puppet regime. Maybe there's a way. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to just be neutral and not be begging to be part of NATO. It it kind of doesn't matter, like because the NATO are not going to let them in. Exactly. So why are they asking to be in NATO as a sort of bargaining chip? But they don't have like nuclear. Weapons. They don't have. They don't have anything, Ukraine. They just have like yeah. they just have the moral high ground, and this is this is the thing with Brexit. This is why Brexit, fucking. Ralph, it's you that's really getting Brexit. <laughs> no, they are. <laughs> they they literally think they will win because they are good, and Putin is bad. Guy who is obsessed with people <laughs> who are obsessed with Brexit. <laughs> but they are. I'm obsessed with it because they, those people fucking ruined the Corbyn project, and made us lame. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's trauma. It's trauma. But like. That that's pure projection on their part. They think that somehow their lives are gonna like are, are gonna be like that. Somehow Putin's gonna walk into their living room and like tell them they can't watch Will and Grace anymore. You know? Have you seen the wide Putin meme? No. <laughs> can't do it on the podcast, unfortunately. But you can just search wide Putin. Okay. Is it just like a fat version of Putin? No, it's just it's just a form of it's just like on the one with him with tits. No. Okay, Ralph. Uh... <laughs> Someone sent that to me. My old flatmate sent me a picture of Putin with. I don't yeah I I don't know what I'm talking about obviously but like what like what's is it a good idea to fight a guerrilla yeah, war for two yeah. decades well it would not be two decades I think it might be a while mm-hmm. it might be like a year a year but like the Russians a year like, of like 300,000 people dying a day a day 300,000 people dying every day Ralph. yeah isn't that what the stat was the other day 300,000 people dying every day <laughs> <laughs> do you know how you all that is <laughs> that's like that's that's the entire holocaust in less than a month <laughs> you're being mean <laughs> welcome to maths brain <laughs> I don't fucking understand this shit my, my point is not undermined <laughs> by this error of the decimal point yeah a lot of people uh, yeah. dying. We, I don't yes, think. Yes, I think yes. spiritually, I don't think we're capable of like comprehending mass death on that scale. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously not mathematically capable of 
comprehending it. But yeah, a lot of a lot of death is possible. Yes. And I think it could be averted. Uh, by by yeah. by Russia agree by Ukraine agreeing to do something that they weren't ever going to be able to do anyway. I think the problem with that is the long term is simply that Russia continues to assert itself in Ukraine in ways that do ultimately lead to annexation. Annexation and then ultimately like probably more death in the long run. You literally last week said they would never invade Kiev. Ralph, I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not like so what's the opinion Zelensky, be, if you listen to this what, do not follow the advice what's, of this <laughs> what's the opinion going to be next week like you, you've just realigned your whole like set of there's like, going to be a ne- next week Ralph <laughs> <laughs> I've gone from they're never going to invade you know Donbass to being to like the they're going to have a world nuclear war yeah yeah well I don't think either of those things um, okay well <laughs> that's very virtuous <laughs> <laughs> the there's nothing UN virtuous about any of this stuff I don't think there's anything noble. I think that it's just a horrible strategic miscalculation and people should stop being so bullish about it on all sides. What is amazing about the Ukraine situation so far is the extent to which it has thrown a spanner in like almost every kind of take-generating machine. Yeah. Except for the most morally basic ones. Yeah. Which the Ukrainians are good and the Russians are bad. Mm-hmm. That's yes. it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like that's the take. That's what's interesting about this whole thing. Yeah, from the sector of pop culture, it's like it's like an anti, an anti take machine. Like we have an enemy now, and it's just astonishing, like how much any kind of strategic comment or like anyone even mentioning NATO or whatever, the response is like, you know, are you defending Putin? Like people like like that clip from Red Scare was so insane when they were like picking holes at his theory and he was like are we defending putin here you know like i don't know like like i just don't i just don't think i view these conflicts through that 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 moral lens i think all the actors are quite cynical and they're looking out for themselves and you know well some of them don't want to be have their country invaded, which seems like a, in some ways it is quite a reasonable thing to look out for. Yeah. Exactly. It's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not cynical to be like, no, you can't invade my country. Yeah, so why keep saying, I want to join NATO? How does that help you not have your country invaded? I'm not victim blaming here. I obviously think what what Putin's doing is like totally unnecessary and horrible. Uh-huh. But like, you know, you just, you have to take that as a given, right? You have like... You can't keep feeling outraged and upset at Putin because that's like what he is. That's entirely like, I don't think he's trying to rebuild the Soviet Union, but I think, I mean, maybe he is like, who knows, maybe that will yeah. come back to haunt me. But like, I don't think he's doing that. I think what he is doing is like making sure he has like a, a nice buffer around him of, of like sympathetic nations. And if he has to force that into place, he will, and he doesn't care. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a psychopath. He doesn't care about human life or culture or, you know, nationhood or being kind. So, and he's economically strong enough to withstand more sanctions than most countries would. So I think I think he is. He does have the upper hand. And when someone has the upper hand like that, I know there are these kind of David, David and Goliath victories on the ground um, day to day, but like, like he does have more power. That 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 is true, but I do think that the late twentieth century conflicts and the early twenty first century conflicts are extended lessons in the ineffectiveness of superpowers. Yeah, superpowers. Yeah, 
to actually exert their will militarily on the ground in anything like a robust continuous way. Mm. But who are the... But, I mean, when you say the guerrillas won in Afghanistan... Yeah. And in Vietnam, like... Was is there not a greater history of like? I I feel like in those cases that those and in the Arab some of the Arab Spring cases like the guerrillas were more were like better organized and had history has had had historical conflicts. I know that the Ukraine had the Orange Revolution in twenty fourteen and stuff, but like the way this is being coordinated by Ukraine is seemingly quite ad hoc. Uh, yeah, I think because they are taken by surprise, but uh, guerrilla fighting takes a while to get organized, and then it's pretty robust, basically. Mm-hmm. So obviously in Afghanistan, there were loads of different like, groups mm-hmm. that were already militarily organized. There were uh, essentially warlords uh, yeah. that were pro-Taliban, there were warlords that were against the Taliban. And in Vietnam, of course, there was uh, a communist party that was mm-hmm. in charge, uh, and therefore there was they had the control of the military. Anyway, so yeah, there are major differences, but in this case, we've got the Ukrainian army, which has been substantially retrained in the last eight years, mm-hmm. um, which has distributed lots of weaponry to a citizenry that has been undergoing quite rapid, yes, quite ad hoc, yes, training, and which has a strong motivation to to fight against Russia. Mm-hmm. And this narrative is inspiring liberals everywhere because it's this kind of like... It allows kind of a certain LARPing, I think. Yeah. Which is great fun, I think. Mm. But you, you have hope. You think the outlook's good for the Ukrainians? No, I don't. But I think that they should... Well, They, they should but, fight on anyway. No, I, th- I think they should definitely not pay attention to me, but I definitely don't think they should immediately surrender. Well, of course. Of course no one of any influence is listening to this podcast. I'm just curious your opinion. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Sheen listens to this podcast. <laughs> hey, Jack. Hi, Jack. Um, 